to read Back to Reality, the best-selling novel of the bestseller experiment by the two marks, go to bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash back to reality. And subscribe to this podcast to get loads of extra bonuses. Go to bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash subscribe. Let's run the show. Hello and welcome to the Bestseller Experiment, where we continue to discover what makes a bestseller and inspire you to start, finish and publish your book. I'm Mark DeVoe. And I am Mark Stay. And thank you to our sponsor, ProWriting Aid, the official editing software of the Bestseller Experiment. ProWriting Aid is so much more than a grammar checker. It's a style editor and writing mentor all in one beautiful package. And what's more, ProWriting Aid integrates with Scrivener and Word, Google Docs, Chrome, Safari, Firefox, OpenOffice, and Outlook. It's designed for the smarter writer, which is all of you. And as a listener of the Bestseller Experiment, you can get a whopping 20% off right now. Get your discount today at ProWritingAid.com forward slash bestseller. Hello, Mr. D, how are you, sir? I'm doing absolutely fabulously. How are you doing, sir? I'm I'm tickety boo. I'm very I've had the most amazing few weeks while we've been away. Uh it's been just amazing. Very, very happy. Bouncing with joy. There's so much going on, isn't there? And our incredible patrons who've been supporting us. We want to thank all of those amazing people who have been supporting this show. We could not do this show without you. And um yeah, I, it's been great actually seeing seeing all the feedback that's been getting. We're going to do we're going to front load with some social media this week because there's so much going on out there. I know we can't really keep up right now. Um, we've got we've got London Book Fair cancelled due to the virus that's going around. We've got all kinds of things happening, but we're going to focus on some positive stuff today because I think everyone needs a little bit of a little bit of a pep up. There seems to be so much negativity and uh, just challenging stuff out in the world right now. But there are people out there still writing. Yeah. And getting published and getting deals and doing all sorts of amazing stuff. So let's let's kick off with the good stuff, shall we? Yeah. Uh, we we had a, we had an email from Adam Simcox with the header "Shameless Self Promotion." Now I'm always going to open that email, aren't I? You know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he says, uh, "Hi, Marks. Hope you're well. And 2020 has been good to you so far. I don't know if you remember, but I wrote to you last year about my wife Kirsty Eyre and her recent Comedy Women in Print Award and publishing deal. Well, listeners, we did a Comedy Women in Print Award." special with Kirsty, and it was really really cool so i'll put a link in the show notes to that so you can have a listen to that adam continues not to be outdone i recently signed with golance for a three book deal with my, oh my supernatural gosh. crime series the dying squad it took about 150 rejections and three previously rejected novels to get to this point so it feels pretty sweet this first book comes out in june 2021 i'm currently writing the follow-up closer to the time i'd love to come on the show and pimp my wares <laughs> it says thank you for the continued good work on the show bxp has become a touchstone for unpublished writers it's a hell of a resource i'm sure there are times when it's a slog but you've made a massive impact with a massive number of people doing it it's a proper legacy adam Big thumbs Congratulations, up, Congratulations, Adam. That's amazing. I can't believe it. What That's... must that household be like right now? <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> Whose book deal is it today, dear? Uh, I mean, and also, you, that, you, that's, our you know sec- that's our second three book deal with Golentz. You know, because we've got Mike Checo in there as well. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Just... I just, I can't believe it. I, I honestly think that... Um, I do honestly think that there's some magic in the air. I can't quite put my finger on it, but this is not stopping. We've seen this. We see this continue happening. You know, all the stuff you, you were talking about with the RNA, another example of that. But 
I think that's fantastic. But you know what's really brilliant about that particular message from Adam is the fact that he gives everyone else the reality. You know, he went through a, however many, 150 rejections. 150 rejections. It's yeah. right. It's, it's, it's not about the rejections. It's about keep going until it's the persistence. Keep going until you get yeah. that dream happen. And so I would, I would like to just say congratulations to Adam, not just for his book deal, but the fact he kept going. Yeah. Because he's proving it. time and time again. We've been talking about this on the show for so many years now. If you don't give up, there's always a chance. So I, I think, brilliant, Adam, man. Thank you for inspiring everyone out there listening to this right now who might be on the verge of giving up or might yeah. say, oh, another rejection. Listen to that story. Rewind it. Play the tape again. Yeah, yeah. 150 rejections, three previously rejected novels. That's the bit, the three previously rejected novels, because you will you know, I'll, I'll meet authors who've maybe finished their first book, and you don't want to say to them, you know, this might be the first of three, four, five, six novels that you write before anyone even starts taking you seriously. You know, I mean, the opportunities there are obviously to self-publish and get that out there. But if you're someone who's looking for a deal, it might take that many books to break through. And that's not yeah. unusual at all. That is kind of the standard. And it's know? the might. It's the might because you can, as we as we all hear today, a little preview for our interview coming up, that it can happen in your first book. So don't don't believe that it has to be six, but also be prepared that it might not be the first, right? We want to be optimistic and realistic. I think that's our new that's our new mantra for this year. So absolutely. What else is on social media, Mark? And there's a load of others. <laughs> well, I mean, let's let's talk about uh, Queeve McDonnell of this uh, parish, who we've previously uh, interviewed, and of course he was nominated for the Kindle Storyteller Award along with Ian Sainsbury, N. W. Sainsbury, yeah. Ian and a patron. And a, a patron, patron and, a, yeah. and a BXP team BXP member. BXP team well. member, yes. Yeah. So Queeve is, uh, <laughs> Queeve has, uh, it's been made public. I've known this for quite a while, but uh, he's he signed a, a, a massive deal with Transworld for uh, his book, Strang The Stranger Times, right? So we had that, I think, on the Monday. That was the story on the Monday. And then later in the week, I was just scrolling through Facebook and I was like, hey, that's Queeve. Oh, it's from variety.com it's not the bookseller it's variety and so this is this is a separate story about how the tv rights for this have been snapped up as well so, oh my gosh <laughs> so Queeve is just having the most amazing time of it at the moment so strange the thing about stranger times and the thing that was uh, the big thing in the story was that it's kind of like um it's a supernatural thriller and it's about a newspaper that chronicles strange things happening. And what mm. Queeve did, he put together a newspaper, a mocked-up newspaper with strange stories from his novels, from the forthcoming novels. And so his agent, also my agent, Ed Wilson, sent it out to publishers as part of the submission. So his agent sent everyone a copy of this newspaper with all the details of the book and the strange stories. And of course, they're all talking to each other about it. Now, have you got mm. that newspaper yet? Have you got that about? So it created this incredible buzz, Brilliant. which, you know, just uh, it ended up with a six-way auction in Germany as well, and auctions in France and Spain, and the screen rights sold. So, yeah, Queeve's had a pretty good time of it recently. I'll tell you what, it couldn't happen to one of the nicest guys <laughs> yeah. in the BXP yeah, team yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, I chatted yeah. with Queeve offline and, 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 and he really deserves it. And he can now say, you know what, getting second in the King of Storyteller Award to my, my nemesis and best mate, Ian. <laughs> doesn't always result in bad things so no. I'm, I'm really happy for you Creve, and i'm also again 
What an incredible story. I remember you showing me that newspaper mm. and it just shows that when you think outside the box, I, I, I do this thing in coaching where I talk about the 1%. Most people are part of the 99%. I think people that listen to this podcast are part of the 1% because we do things a little bit differently from everyone else. But if you if you join the one percent club, as I talk, call it, you you do the opposite to what everyone else is doing, and that idea that Queeve did with the with the newspaper is a perfect example of that. Brilliantly thought through and created every success. That wasn't any mistake that he ended up getting an auction. That was him being very very clever about stopping and thinking about how am I going to do this differently. So I encourage everyone to, as part of this group that we now are, a very successful group as it's obviously happening as as we speak, but. Think outside the box. What would the 1% do? There you go. Put that on a T-shirt. <laughs> next. Next on the list on social. This has been such a fantastic couple of weeks, right? I was invited to the RNA Awards. Now, if you listened to last week's episode, this won't be a spoiler because you'll know this, but four, four of our listeners and supporters, patrons, were nominated for awards. So we had Lorna Cock, Jeevani Chirika, uh, Jenny Keir, and Annie O'Neill who also also is uh, Sheila Crichton, and Lorna won the uh, Debut Novel Award. So, again, another award winner, which is... And, again, we're so well represented at these awards. It's just fantastic. <laughs> it's not you and me. It's the listeners. They're incredible. No, I know. It's the bestseller <laughs> experiment crew. It's the BXPers. I mean, we talk about in the BXP team, which you can join, by the way, by getting getting involved and supporting this podcast i always have to say that because if we don't let you know how to do it people are saying well e emailing us saying well how do i do it bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash support pause the tape and get over there now <laughs> tape but the the, the team have, have come up with this name of, of experiments and the whole point is when we experiment we're allowed to fail we're allowed to try things out we're, we're in the lab there's we we have fun in failure and um, we, we, we celebrate everyone's failure because it means we're trying, but then we also get to celebrate successes. Because if, if you're in the lab experimenting, the chances of you actually doing something that works are very, very high. And actually fear of failure is one of the reasons why most people don't even bother or, or can't even start to try. And so what we're seeing is this incredible group of people coming together. And I think it is, I think we can actually officially say there is no coincidence that this is happening to so many, so many of our listeners and supporters. Mm. And this is just another example. It was an amazing show. Yeah, no, it was just, it was just, and the RNA are such a lovely bunch. I'm going to their conference later in the year, so we'll have a special episode from that as well. Um, another uh, BXP uh, member, Vicky Newham, uh, again, I think twice or three times published author now, Vicky, crime author, thriller author. Uh, she's part of the group. Uh, she says, I've just pressed send. My stuff has finally gone to my agent. Of course, I feel completely fine. No attachment to outcomes. No, no, no fluttery stomach. Of course not. <laughs> Done my best. That's all I can do, right? If anyone wants me, I'll be in the corner eating my fingers. <laughs> so, the Brilliant. thing with that, Vicky has a space on the BXT where she can say that and, you know, 18 comments of support from you yeah. know the fellow members yeah it's uh it's you know so vicky got everything crossed for you got absolutely yeah, good luck vicky. for you another one of our bxp supporters julian barr his new book actually it's, it's a collection it's tooth and blade the, the the trilogy collected in one book that's just come out in uh, e and uh paperback i really really loved this series i i really really enjoyed it it's like uh norse myth meets michelle pavers uh, wolf brother series it's it's absolutely cracking he's got new cover art for that so it's another one of our of our members who's just been published we've got a julie cordina 
dropped us a line. She said, you asked me to keep in touch with progress in my novel. I published A Borrowed Past on Friday, historical saga under the pen name Juliet Lawson. It's a brilliant feeling. Whether it sells or not, I've proved to myself I can do it, which was the main aim and she's gone Brilliant. wide with it we put it up on the bxp group amazing cover art really beautiful cover art for this as for a historical novel and she says i can't quite believe i've done it your podcast definitely helped to give me the motivation i needed to keep going during the drafting and rewriting stages so thank you for that uh so it's fantastic uh, just brilliant so julie huge huge congratulations yeah i saw the cover art for that as well and it was stunning really, and, and really i just cool. want to just want to mention on that point Julie actually really nailed down what this is about. You know, winning the awards is phenomenal, but what that is a recognition of the fact that you got to the end, that you wrote that book. And I think if somebody can get to the end, if someone can finish that book, it doesn't just give you the satisfaction of knowing that you did it, but it sets you up for success in the future. It builds on itself, right? People that, that never finish a book have always got that nagging, oh, I've never done it, I've never quite managed to get there. And our job here on this podcast and beyond is to help you get to the end. So brilliant message, Julie. Thank you so much for sharing what it means to you to finish because that's so important to celebrate when you finish as well. Now, here's the other thing. At the other end of the spectrum, so we've had big deals, award winners. We've got Rachel here, Rachel Howes, who uh, said, just got my first ever rejection after submitting in July 2019. So she submitted it in July. February, she gets a rejection. It wasn't a form rejection, but a personalised rejection. So that leaves me optimistic. It's quite exciting in a weird way. But Rachel, that is a badge of honour. That is your first step. Every single one of those people who's won an award, who's got the film deal, the TV deal, who's just published their book, they were exactly where you were at some point. Yeah. I, I was. I, I've had. I've had two rejections in the last month myself. So you know it, and it never stops happening. But and, this is the first. And we step. have to celebrate every single rejection because number one, it means you're out there trying, and number two, it means you're one step closer to the the letter you get that says we love your book, we want to sign a deal, and you don't. Nobody. No. I. I mean, yes. Maybe there's a few people on this planet that got signed with their first first ever pitch and never have had a rejection with their first book but they are they're in a minority because most people most people have to get a rejection first and if you look in every single walk of life whether it's in business in writing in music in bringing up kids <laughs> we yeah. all fail first time right yeah. we all fail and i really think that it's a celebration so listen folks Yes, public declarations. Send us your public declaration of what you want to achieve, but we want to celebrate your rejections. So email us, tell us when you get rejected and let's celebrate together because eventually you're going to email us and say, you remember all those rejections I got? Boom, mm. it's happened. Yeah. So celebrate your rejections. It's a new slot on this, on this show. We want to hear from you <laughs> and we want to hear how, how, how it made you feel and what it spurred you on to do next. And speaking of our wonderful listeners, I was lucky enough to have lunch with a bunch of them in London this week because the book fair was cancelled, so lots of people were in town for that. Robin Sarty, 
of this parish organized it so huge thanks to robin for organizing this and and she brought me a pack of tim tams as well oh brilliant. <laughs> from brilliant. canada yeah eaten already gone Boom. Nice. <laughs> so i had a great lunch with neil bainan rosemary deuce jan carr Kay vincent and elizabeth hurley and robin and it was just great just to meet our listeners in the flesh to meet them up close just yeah we it was only a, a very short meal it was all a bit of a rush but it was so fantastic just to meet them and i, I hope to do that again so it was it was a real privilege actually because mm. you know you see these names crop up on the bxp group on social media and what have you but to actually meet them and and get to chat with them if you think how long we've been doing this now three and a bit years or whatever Mm. i would have walked past these people in the street we would never have crossed paths you know it's uh and now we're all having an effect on each other's writing and careers and everything so yeah it was a it was a lovely little pinch me moment i had a great time fantastic did you get a selfie uh, yes, we did. It's all up on uh, the BXP group. Brilliant. And I'll uh, check that out. I think we put it on our Instagram as well. So, um, but yeah, yeah, very cool. Excellent stuff. Excellent. Who knows? One day in the future, one day in the future, making absolutely zero promises, but there might be an opportunity before me and Mark snuff it that we might try and organise <laughs> some meetup or bigger. Who knows, right? I mean, I want to put it out there because I, I think that would be fun to do. I do think we're in different countries across different parts of the continents. But, you know, if there's enough support of the show, enough people get behind it, maybe one day there could be something we could uh, we could organise which might be a bit more uh, face-to-face. I, would, I, for one, would love that. I think it would be a lot of fun. Absolutely. Yeah. As long as it's somewhere really hot... Swimming pool, beach, what do you reckon, Mark? Uh, well, that's a bit distracting. I, yeah, I, you know, I, I, I prefer somewhere. How about, how about um, morning, morning workshops and, and oh. afternoon relaxation? Yeah, I could What's do it. Think, yeah, think, think, think of yeah. new plot ideas, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Right, just Maybe. put it out there to the universe. Anyway. <laughs> You've started something now, you know that, don't I you? think we might You've have started something. Not that we had, because there's already been <laughs> people asking us to do it, but, you know. Who knows? Who knows? You just don't know, do you? You've got to put it out there. Who knows? Um, but anyway, so one of the things, um, one of the things that we want to want to say thank you to is for everyone who writes into us because we realise that just the act of writing in can sometimes be a bit daunting for people to actually share their sometimes their innermost thoughts and feelings. So thank you for doing that, and and we really hope that by sharing it with our community that more people are encouraged to do it because you know what we love 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 hearing your stories. It makes all of this so completely real for everyone, not just just not just me and Mark who, who, who do the show, but for everyone listening. Um, everyone who writes to us is a massive inspiration. And I've got to say, it, listening to those stories absolutely fills me up. It's one of the f- most beautiful, funnest things um, about this podcast. So thank you again for being brave enough and courageous enough to, to share not just your celebrations, but you know th- your challenges as well. I think it's important to put that out there as well because there's lots of people out there who are still working hard to keep chipping away and I hope this encourages you all. So, Mr. So, we have the most incredible interview coming up, an interview that you've done recently with none other than the amazing B.A. Paris, Mark. Tell us more about B.A. Paris. B.A. Paris, she is the internationally best-selling author of Behind Closed Doors, The Breakdown, Bring Me Back and The Dilemma. She sold over a million copies in the UK alone. She's a New York Times bestseller, a Sunday Times bestseller, a number one bestseller on Amazon and iBooks. Uh, you know, I think that's like the EGOT. That's she should get some sort of medal for that. Her books have been translated into 39 languages and she is possibly the most unassuming 
author I've ever interviewed. Uh, she was a delight, an absolute delight. We talk about her new book, The Dilemma, but behind closed doors was the very definition of the dream smash hit debut. And, uh, you know, if we're talking about Queer Valley, this couldn't have happened to a nicer person. So uh, a real privilege to speak to uh, Bernadette B.A. Paris uh, in London recently. Brilliant. Let's run the tape. Bernadette, welcome to the podcast. How are you today? I'm fine, thank you. I'm very happy to be here. Oh, absolute pleasure to have you here today. Now, we're here to talk about The Dilemma, your new novel. But you've had an incredible career that started with Behind Closed Doors, which was this smash hit debut, which is the kind of one, dear listeners, we all dream of having. Can we talk about how you got there first? I've read somewhere you started writing about 2008, about 11 years ago. Uh, what started you off? I think, you know, I'd always wanted to write, but I'd been very focused on my family. I'd given up work to bring up my children. And it was just at that point I had time because my husband gave up his hectic job where he was traveling all around the world and said, um, I'm going to take a year off and then I'm going to do something different. So it meant he was around at home a little bit with the children. And that took some pressure off me. And I thought, hmm, I've got a little bit of time now, so I'd like to try and write. And that's how it started off, really. Time is so, it's the real currency of a writer, isn't it? Did you carve out a certain part of the day to write? Um, well, because my husband was there to do the going to and fro from school, I just started writing literally as soon as I got up in the morning and I would write all day. When I started writing, it was like an addiction, a drug. I could not stop writing. It was, I became this awful mother who instead of having freshly baked cakes for my daughters when they came home from school, I would just go, leave me alone, I'm writing. And it took me six months to calm down. And I would literally write all day until I fell asleep over my computer in the evening. And then I calmed down a bit and thought, no, you know, step away a little bit. And you know, you've I can't be like that. and But it was terrible. It was lovely. It was wonderful. But it was also, you know, quite frightening how I could not stop writing. <laughs> Did you have to explain to the family that there's this new you in the house? I think they realised pretty quickly there was this new me, and I'm not sure they liked it very much. But I think, you know, my older daughters, the two oldest ones, had left home. And I think they were really happy that I was doing something for myself because they did have this image of me. I remember them one day saying to me, Mummy, you never do anything for yourself. You know, all you do is look after us the whole time. And I thought, hmm, I don't really want them to have that image of me either. I want them to know that, you know, yes, I can bring up children, but I can also do something, except back then I didn't know what it was going to be that I would do. So, you know, I was quite pleased that I'd found this. And I think they were, and they are, they're delighted for me. Wonderful stuff. Did you start out? Because Behind Closed Doors, great psychological thriller, lots of twists and turns, real patient. Is that what you started out writing or were you writing something different? No, my books were very much family-based books before. And um, I started trying to get published in about 2010. So I would write a book, choose four small agencies, send out to them and get rejections and write another book, get rejections, write another book. And I remember one agency said, you know, they would say, either they wouldn't reply at all or they'd say, your book isn't right for our market. And one day I wrote back and I said, what are you looking for? And they said, psychological thrillers. And I said, I will never, ever, ever write a psychological thriller <laughs> because it was so far off my radar to write a thriller. And then I wrote Behind Closed Doors and Nobody was more surprised than me when people said, oh, this is a great psychological thriller. Because to me, it was just a novel and I'd never really thought about genre. So, you know, that I didn't set out to write psychological thrillers at all. Well, there's lots to unpack there. Uh, you started out by targeting small agencies. Was that you testing the water a bit? 
it was just thinking that none of the big agencies would look at my work. And the funny thing is, and it's the most wonderful story, so I'm just going to tell it. Um, when I bought the handbook to look at all the agencies, you know, I didn't know anything about the publishing world. I was living in France. I didn't know anything. So somebody said, you need an agent. And I flicked through it and my eyes stuck on Darley Anderson. And I read about that agency and Martina Cole had said it was the best agency. And I thought, that is my dream agency. I will never apply to them. So I didn't. I used to take the smaller agencies that were unknown and I never applied to the big ones. But when I wrote Behind Closed Doors, I remember it was January 2014 and I'd come back from Christmas for Christmas and I thought, you know, I'm going to stop being scared. I'm going to send this out to the five big agencies, including Darley Anderson. And they picked it up. So, you know, I'm so happy about that. That's an amazing story. And you said you weren't aware that you were writing a psychological thriller. What did you think you were writing? A book. Okay. Really, honestly, I didn't think... You know, I wasn't... I was living in France. I wasn't at all in the publishing world. I wasn't on any social media. I did a lot of reading, but I never really thought about the genre of the book I was reading. You know, I'd just pick a book and I'd, and I'd read it. I loved reading. So, you know... Um, that, that's why when people said psychological, when this agent said to me psychological thrillers, I didn't even really know what that meant, you know. So, yeah, so I just was right, you know, all my, I don't like to be pigeonholed. This is why, you know, and I'm very lucky that The Dilemma is not a psychological thriller and that my editors accepted that it wouldn't be a psychological thriller, although there's still a lot of suspense in it because I don't want to always write psychological thrillers. I want to write what I want to write at that moment in time. You say your agent said psychological thriller. Did that trigger something? Did you think, okay, the next draft, I need to read a few psychological thrillers. I need to maybe look at the genre and, and the tropes and, and the beats. Not really. I think by then, you know, I'd worked out what a psychological thriller was. And, you know, when Behind Closed Doors was going to be published, my publisher said, well, we want another book from you, another psychological thriller. So I had to quickly come up with a you know, uh, a plot line, a summary of what I was going to write. So, and then they wanted another two. So I wrote Bring Me Back. And then for the fourth one, which was meant to be a psychological thriller, we kind of negotiated that I would write The Dilemma. Right. Excellent. You, you say that you had to write synopses for the new books. I know you're not much of a planner. You like to sort of pants it, as they say. Is that a difficult process for you, reducing something that you haven't written yet into a couple of sort of pithy paragraphs? Was that, and was that tricky? And did it match what you eventually wrote? Slightly, but I was lucky for Bring Me Back, I didn't have to write one. I did for the breakdown. I hated it. I would rather write a whole book than write a synopsis because it's so hard to get, you know, and I do feel what was hard was before you're published, when you're applying to agencies, you know, you want to find an agent and you have to write a synopsis. And I hated that part of it. It was the worst part because you're trying to put over this, what's going to be an 80,000 word book in like 500 words. And that's very hard. Yeah. Any tips for anyone listening? Yeah, just try and pick out the best bits of your book. And actually, the best tip is don't hold anything back because they want to know what your book's about. They want to know how it's going to end. So, you know, you think, well, I'm not going to tell them the whole story because, you know, otherwise I'll spoil it if they read it. But that's not the point. They want to know what your book is about right to the end. And often the ending, you know, especially in psychological thrillers, is very good. So that's what you should be sending out to agencies, your whole book. Excellent stuff. I'm always fascinated by thriller writers who, who pants it. Because for me, thrillers are almost storytelling with the hood off, you know, the bonnet off, because you can see all the working parts. You know, there are twists, there are resolutions, there are reveals. And I think crime and thriller readers, more than any other reader, want all those dots to join up. Is it a question of you having a sort of messy first draft and going back and tidying it up, or does it arrive almost fully formed? 
Yeah, I do a pretty good first draft because I'm meticulous. I'm I'm very focused. I'm very focused when I write. So I don't plan. I don't have notebooks. I don't have papers. I don't write notes um, unless I'm doing a timeline. That's the only thing. But it's in my head. You know, um, my spreadsheet is in my head, basically. And I don't really plot. I have my beginning. I usually know the end. And I don't have a good eye. I know my characters, but I don't know them. So it's as I write that these characters develop and so they'll end up doing things that I never thought they'd do. And that's the way I like to write because I feel that I'm writing as my reader will read my book because I don't really know what's going to happen. And I know there's several people who say this is not possible, you know, this is not, but this is how I write and I can only say, you know, everybody's different and this is what works for me. And that must be a great joy when a character surprises you like that. Your writing surprises yourself. Oh, absolutely. I mean, when I was writing Behind Closed Doors, I knew Jack wasn't going to be a very nice person and that was obvious and, you know, everybody knows that from the beginning. But he became really much worse than I imagined. And, you know, I've said this and people say, how can she say this? But, you know, I really felt he was writing the book I mean I think the thing is I write in the first person and I when I'm writing I do actually become that character so when I was writing I was Jack and of course I, I remember you know writing things and think god that's really awful but you know this is obviously what it has to be so yes I'm very surprised by my characters along the way and I love that I love that I'm discovering my characters as as I write Excellent. And the first person too, as well. That's uh, that's always quite a tricky thing because you can't jump around as much, can you? Well, no. And I'd never really thought about this until I got a couple of messages on Twitter saying, I really don't know why you write in the first person. I hate reading in the first person. And I mentioned this to one of my daughters and she said, but I'm the same. And she said, I'll go into Smith's or Waterstones, pick up a book, read the first page. And she said to me, if it's in the first person, I put it away, even if somebody's told me it's a good book. And I was really shocked. And I said, oh, and she said, except yours, I read your books. (laughs) And so this got me thinking. So for the book, I've I've just finished my fifth book. And I decided I'd try to write it in the third person and in the past because all my books have been first person present more or less and I had a real struggle and in the end I've compromised and my main character writes in the first person and the rest of it the other voices are in the third person and I just could not do it in the so but I think it's because I need to be in that first person to feel the emotions and the experiences that my character I find it very hard to look and observe if I'm writing in the third person it's if I'm just observing and telling a story but not living it if I write in the first person I'm living it right right people are funny aren't they (laughs) it's just strange and some people say I don't like books written in the present and so far all mine have been in the present so I've tried to change and actually it was much easier I found it really easy to write in the past Mm. I don't know it just seems a much easier way to write so maybe my sixth book will be all in the third person and all in the past, who knows? But I think it's good to test new ways of writing as well. Absolutely. Let's talk about the present. Let's talk about the dilemma. Pitch it to us. And uh, I know you hate doing a synopsis and a pitch, yeah. but let's... let's. It's quite <laughs> difficult, this book, to, to pitch because I can't really give the story away. But I think I've always wondered about this moment in time between somebody receiving bad news and then you have to tell the person you love that news, knowing it's going to change their life forever. And, you know, I've heard stories in the past of people that, you know, have had to tell their husbands or wives terrible things. And sometimes there's been that gap in time where because maybe one of them's travelling, that there's been those few hours. And so I decided to take that a bit further. What I wanted to explore in this was not only that, how you told them, but would there be any reason where you might delay telling them? 
because we've all heard cases of, for example, a husband might lose his job and not tell his wife at first, or a grandparent dies and the grandchild has got a really important exam, so the parents say, okay, we won't tell that person them yet, we'll wait till they finish the exam. So I wanted to push the boundaries of it a little bit and just just explore just how far somebody might go to give their loved one a few more hours of happiness. So that's basically what the story is about. Wow, that's absolutely fascinating. That's one of the... We all have had those moments, haven't we? Mm. I think certainly when you're into adulthood, at least, anyway. And you're you're digging very deep there. I know a lot of your stories are based on observations you've made or real events that you've had without, Mm. you know, giving anything away. Is this something you've had to experience? I haven't, thank goodness, but it was something I often thought about, you know, with having children and my husband being away quite a lot and thinking, gosh, if I ever had to tell him that something terrible has happened, how would I tell him? When would I tell him? If he was driving back from somewhere, I would just let him get home or flying back from somewhere. You know, these thoughts have always been in my head. And then, of course, the stories I read about in the press or hear stories from friends about things that have happened, terrible, tragic things. And, you know, that really got me thinking. And I just really wanted to tell this story. You mentioned earlier that it's not a psychological thriller like your other books, but it it certainly has that kind of hook that you'd find in a a psychological thriller. Uh, How different was this book to write from your others? It was much more difficult because it's about emotions more than about a plot line. So although there is the suspense and there are some mysteries in the book, if you like, because we know that Livia, you know, from the outset, the wife, she does have something she needs to tell her husband. and But she's going to wait till after this amazing party is finished to tell him because she knows that what she's going to tell him, it's not going to destroy his life, but he's not going to be very happy about it so she thinks well let's just I'm gonna have my party and then you know but then on the day of the party he hears some terrible news and he knows that he needs to tell her but he doesn't actually know well anyway I don't want to give too much away so sorry I can't remember your question now the first bit um how much oh how more difficult yes it was much more difficult to write because you know with a psychological thriller it's fun you know it's, it's great you're looking at you know, how you can do this plot and what little bits you can put in. And I love it. It's like a mathematical puzzle almost. But with this, it was much more raw. It was much more emotional. And um, and it was, I wanted to get it so right. I just wanted to get this book right so that people would understand where my characters were coming from. Yeah. It's all about digging deeper, isn't it? It is. It is. It's about, you know, and it is. You just have to, you know, I really, really had to work hard to get... I want people to be sympathetic towards my characters. I would hate people to say, oh, I just really hate them for what they did or whatever, because that's not the point. And it's a story. It's a story. This might not happen in real life. Let's hope it doesn't happen in real life. But it's a story. And, you know, the thing about a story, I wanted to make people think about this kind of situation and what they would do and how far maybe they would go. Do you have much contact with your readers? Do you get feedback? You were talking about the the first person thing, but do you start to get an idea of what they enjoy and what turns them off just in terms of storytelling? Mm -hmm. I have amazing readers and I do, you know, I'm only really on Twitter. I do have Facebook, but um, I'm not so involved in that just because time Mm -hmm. limits and Twitter's very easy. You can just go on that. So, you know, I'm still getting messages four years after Behind Closed Doors 
uh, was published from readers who are reading it for the first time or sometimes for the fifth time, you know, which is lovely. So I do love that contact. And I'm very lucky in that my book has been published um, in a lot of countries around the world. And I have been invited to several of those. And my readers abroad are fantastic. And they have all told me because when they ask about my next book, I've said, well, you know, it's not really a psychological thriller, although there's lots of suspense in it. And so we don't care. We just love the way you write, you know, so we'll read anything that you write. And that is just so lovely to have that faith, you know. And I'm hoping maybe I will lose a few readers with this book because they might be expecting a a pure psychological thriller. But hopefully I'll gain some as well. People who don't particularly like psychological thrillers, are there any out there? And uh, they might decide, yes, they want to read this book. So I'm hoping things will balance out a bit. Did you ever get any feedback from a reader that made you think, okay, I might do that differently next time? Um, I have to admit that, well, yes, the reader, the person who contacted me on Twitter and said, I really don't like reading books in the first person. Why do you read books? Why do you write in the first person? And that made me think because I'd never actually thought about writing in another way. And... So that's great because that's made me think, yes, I should stretch myself. I should try and write in the third person. So that's great. But as for, um, I don't really read reviews of my, I read the reviews that people tweet about and say, I've blogged this about your book and I'll read it. And sometimes it's not all positive. So, you know, there's things I'll take away from that. But Amazon and Goodreads, I don't read the reviews because I think, you know, the five stars, it's wonderful. And then you read, to balance it out, you have to read the one stars. And that just makes you spoil your whole <laughs> year, a week, day, you know. So um, I did it for Behind Closed Doors, but I haven't done it for my other books. I find the worst ones are the two-star reviews. They're the ones that almost liked it. Yes, that's it. But the ones I think were helpful for me for Behind Closed Doors were the three-star ones because they say, we liked your book, but... And actually, that's quite interesting. But I don't really read for... I haven't done it for the other two books because I'm not sure whether it's that helpful for me. The reviews aren't written for me. The reviews are written for people that are going yes, to read the book. Yes. So, you know, um, so I'm not sure what I'll do about the dilemma because I'm, I am really interested to see what people think about the dilemma. So I might read, read some reviews. And I think, you know, if I do get one star and two star reviews, I think it'll be something that might miss the point of the book. Mm. I don't know. And as I say, a book is to entertain. Mm. Let's go back to Behind Closed Doors because it was this incredible, phenomenal smash hit. Now, you must have had some expectations about publication, but I suspect you didn't imagine anything like this. I can tell you, I didn't even understand what was happening because (laughs) I think not living in France and not being in the publishing world, not knowing any authors. So when it was published, I remember before it's published, there were a lot of pre-orders. And, you know, so my agent was telling me, oh, you know, there's 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 pre-orders. There were actually 66,000. What? Yeah. So, you know, which is apparently just huge, but it didn't mean anything to me. And then I think in the first week, we'd sold 100,000 copies. And so my my editor was writing to me and saying, well done, you know, 100,000, it's brilliant. And then the following week, it would be 150. And it was when it got to 500,000. I remember they invited me over to um, HarperCollins to HQ. Oh, my, they paid for your train. <laughs> actually, they didn't, I don't think. <laughs> and uh, because they always used to say, you're coming over to see your parents. Anyway, pop into the office. So I came over and I came into the to the office and there was everybody there and they had champagne and I turned around to Sally my then editor and I said why is 500,000 really good then (laughs) and but do you know I know it sounds really naive and stupid but I just thought she's being lovely to me and I I knew my book had done well of course I saw it was number one on the Amazon charts but I thought that the the 
maybe the number two had or number 10 had sold 450,000. I didn't really realise. And that was wonderful, not knowing, because I knew my book was doing well, but I didn't have a benchmark. So, you know, I didn't know that it was doing, you know, really well. Mm. You know, so and that was that was wonderful because I couldn't get big-headed about it at all. And you know, and and I never am because I'm just so grateful. And I know that I have been so lucky with that book. Um, I just yeah, and it's changed my life. Did anyone give you any kind of clue as to why it was pre-ordering so well? Because pre-orders for a debut like that. That is extraordinary. Yes. I think, uh, no, nobody's told me why. It's just that I think people read that. There was a lot of buzz with the wonderful bloggers. Bloggers are just, they do such amazing work for no pay because they just love books and blog about them. And I think bloggers got behind my book right from the beginning. And I think the success of Behind Closed Doors is, is because... People can imagine themselves in that situation. And because I think Jack was such a... It's awful, great character, even though he's so horrible. But in a way, and I think it was different because we knew right at the beginning that he was evil. It's not as if we had to discover who the evil person was. So we knew that. So I think for readers, it was... They loved trying to, you know, maybe loved is the wrong word, but <laughs> seeing how his mind worked and how he was going to block grace and everything. And I got so many, and I think the, another thing about this book is I got so many messages from women who said, this could be my story. I have been through things like this, you know, oh, so many. And that really touched me because I realised that, and, you know, I even got a couple of women who said, you know, your book has inspired me to leave my abusive relationship because I've seen that your character can do it. Because the breakdown, my second book is a little bit like that. So they would say, we've read your two books. And honestly, I got that from two women who told me. And that was just amazing. And I think this was the the success of this book, I think, was because it was just that little bit more original, maybe. It was just a bit original. Maybe nobody had written about this kind of abusive relationship in that sort of way before. I don't know. Or because it just, people could imagine themselves as this, or just because, I don't know. But I was so lucky. I don't know why that book worked, but it did. That's incredible. That's just to, I mean, we all hope for bestsellers, but I think more than anything, we hope to have some kind of, you know, you write to move people, you mm. write to get elicit some kind mm. of emotional response, but yes. something like that is phenomenal, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yes, it, it is. And that's really touched me. And, uh, you know, and the, the messages I got from women, it's just, you know, and some of them, they would tell me their stories and they were heartbreaking. And, um, you know, and I never realised it would touch people in that way. And of course, it's been wonderful because that's laid the foundation for my other books, which haven't sold anything like that, you know. I mean, they've still sold well, but um, people are just interested in reading what I write now, which is which is great. That is wonderful. What's coming next after The Dilemma? Well, funnily enough, the, so The Dilemma isn't really a psychological thriller, although there's that suspense element, so hopefully it is a page-turner because people want to know what happens. But my fifth book, which, as I say, I wrote in the third person and in the past, or a lot of it in the third person, is actually another psychological thriller, really. But then it's not psychological thriller where there's loads of blood and guts and murder. Mine are more relationship-based. So there is, you know, it's slightly thrillerish, but it's more about the relationships in the book. So um, hopefully that'll be out in 2021. But I've only just finished writing it, so it's only the first draft, so I can't say too much about it yet. Well, Well, we're really, really looking forward to it, Bernadette. Thank you so much for speaking to me today, and best of luck with The Dilemma. Thank you very much, and thank you for interviewing me. It's been great. Thank you. My goodness me, I it never it never ceases to amaze me the incredible stories behind the success 
of books. And yet this one is just, it's off the charts. I can't get my head around it. It's like, let's, go through, let's go through those numbers again, shall yes, we? Right. Yes. 66,000 pre-orders. Pre-orders, yeah. That doesn't happen. No. <laughs> okay? That, that no. definitely doesn't happen with the debut. It, no. That's, it's just phenomenal. 100,000 in the first week. Again, that doesn't happen. Uh, and then <laughs> to say, is 500,000 really good then? That was my, my favourite line. That, that struck me. That was the sort of line that at the beginning of Podlock podcast you'd have come out with. That was, well, this is it, right? I mean, 66,000 pre-orders. I mean, I'll take 66,000 orders. <laughs> Sod the pre-bit. Yeah, I think yeah. the, most, the most fascinating thing about, about um, Bernadette's story is, is firstly that it is a debut novel. And it is that it, 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 it helps us to, to keep dreaming because the exciting bit, and like Vicky talked about, you know, you know, she's, or no, who was it uh, earlier? One of our listeners said that they, they sent their book out. Junior. Yeah, it was Vicky. Vicky knew him. It yeah, was yeah. Vicky. No. Yeah. Well, they, one of them was saying about how they've sent it out and now they're, they're sitting in the corner biting their nails or fingers. The thing is that there is always a chance there's always a chance that something like this could happen. And for Bernadette, seeing what actually transpired, but not really even kind of planning it or knowing it were possible, that's the bit that blows me away. Like, it's one thing if you kind of like put it out there. We have a lot of authors, a million selling authors, you've said, you know, yeah, of course, I, I, I wrote it down. I wanted to become a million seller. She's like, well, I mean, I'm in France and just doing my thing and I don't know anything about anything and boom. I mean, how, how does that happen, Mark? Didn't even want to write a psychological thriller. Right. <laughs> I know. So maybe everything we've been telling everyone from the start is completely yep. wrong. Is that you should, yeah, it's just like rip up the last 250 plus episodes. I think, I mean, you know, it's nobody knows nothing. You know, it's the old William yeah. Goldman, Max, who's talking about Hollywood. The more there, you know. it, it totally applies to yeah. publishing as well. And I think what you've got here is, you know, someone who's written, who's not written to the market. And, you know, that can work, that can work. But this is someone who, talking about her new book, The Dilemma, for her, it's all about digging deeper. It's all about finding out who those characters are, what motivates them, uh, and getting to know her characters through her writing. She doesn't plot things out. If you think of that as a, a micro, then the macro is is her career. She's not sat down and thought, I'm going to plot this out. I, I'm going to have a career path. She said, I'm just going to do the best job I can in the moment. And I think that's that's a really important lesson for writers to learn is just do the best you can in the moment. Each sentence, each paragraph, each page, every 200 words, you know, just make them the best that they can be and be truthful and honest in your writing. And then at the end of it, she's, you know, step back and let the publisher uh do an absolutely bang up job in marketing this and selling it and that is a rarity it is a rarity it's not going to happen to everyone but blimey the ducks were in a row here weren't they oh my gosh you know what you just made me think mark what you said there is very interesting i'm going to just set up a poll on our public facebook group if you want to if you want to go to it it's facebook.com forward slash bestseller experiment and the poll is going to ask are you a pantser that plans your writing goals or are you a plotter that doesn't have any writing goals <laughs> right i want to see if there's a, i want to see if there's a link between people who pants people who write by the seat of their pants or anyone who hasn't heard that term before a pants or someone who just kind of like 
you know, Stephen King comes up with a what if idea and then just starts writing it and sees sees what happens. Doesn't want to know the ending because it will spoil the fun. I want to know if there's a, if there's a link between that. Do people who sit down and write goals and plan their career are they typically plotters or panthers? And they'd think that a plotter would also be someone that says, I want to sell a million copies and they have that goal. Whereas a panther is somebody like B.A. Paris who maybe doesn't have some ideas. I think that's what it's going to be. But I'm curious as a little experiment and I'm going to set that one up. So if you want to get over and vote and tell us, go to facebook.com forward slash bestseller. It's going to go live in about five minutes. <laughs> it's, um, it's an interesting question because... You can, do you apply this to your life as well, you know, not just your career? Yeah. Do you sit down and say, okay, I am going to go to this university, I'm going to get this degree, I'm going to apply as an intern at this company, I'm going to... Uh, because you are basically, you know, they say God laughs at people who makes plans, you know. You, you might be queuing yourself up for a big disappointment there or do you roll with the punches? You know, I, I mentioned before, when I was a teenager, I wanted to be an actor. I wanted to be, you know, acting movies and, you know, uh, that never worked out. But it brought me to where I am today, you know, because I ended up writing my own plays because no one else would let me be in them. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But it led you gently down. It yeah. gently kind of guided you, didn't it, in some ways? Yeah. So this is, it's interesting. Do you, it's are you a plotter or pantser in life? In life. I want to, yeah, let's let's have a look at that. Um, you can't do polls, I've just found out, on Blooming Facebook public. So I'm going to ask the question. <laughs> I'm going to ask the question on Facebook's public page. But you can do polls in the BXP team, which is our private Facebook group. So sign up to Patreon and come and actually take the poll. And we'll share the results in our next episode um one thing else well i i was really fascinated that ba paris kind of opened the interview with was this idea about sacrifice we've talked about this a lot now we know be both being parents that the word sacrifice is just you know a a, a typical day-to-day -day thing that we sign up for but don't realize it's the next 25 years of our life in some <laughs> cases right but the sacrifices that people make i mean our book back to reality is all about sacrifice isn't it really if you haven't read it pop over to Amazon and, and pick up a copy because it's actually on... It's in the March Kindle sales. We've um, got an exclusive, guys. Yeah, in the this UK, yeah. We've got an exclusive. We found out we're in the March Kindle sales. And uh, um, so go over there. It's 99 Pence. pennies. Yes. Isn't that ridiculous? How does that work out a word mark? It's like, I can't even... I don't know. I'm just, I'm just thinking of a, year, a year's work for 99p. 99p? And Can I, you imagine I, that? Bless, bless someone. They did retweet it and say, oh, I'm going to get this on payday. <laughs> <laughs> now, I've, I've been overdrawn before. Oh, you know, I've, I've, I've been there. I worry, <laughs> I've worried about my bills, but 99p. You oh, know, guys, uh, really... <laughs> You find if you walked around your local village or town on an average day or put your hand down the back of your sofa, <laughs> chances are you find more than 99p down there. You might even find half a Twix. I mean, you just don't know, right? Who knows? Bonuses. We don't we can't give bonuses with our books yet. But yeah, go go support uh, Back to Reality. But it's it, the book's all about sacrifice. Uh, there's a big theme about sacrifice, we should say. But what what B.A. Paris said was this beautiful concept of actually saying, you know what, there's some things in life, in whatever you're doing, whoever you're supporting. And I know, for example, there are people who are looking after them. I met someone in a, uh, a Costco, big supermarket, mm. who's doing the BXP 2020 challenge. Mm. And she said it's been the most, so a big 
uh, shout out to, to Pat, to Patricia Huntley. She said it's been one of the most amazing things to help her writing because she looks after her elderly parents and this 200 words a day has made it actually possible for her to believe she can write. And she's been doing it every single day since the beginning of the year. And she said she's having her best writing year ever. And yet she's looking after two elderly parents. And and it's whether it's whether it's elderly parents, whether it's children, whether it's sacrifices you're making for your, your work, your the company you work for, it's really important to have this idea of being a healthy role model to your kids. Mm. Mm. and saying you know what there are some things that are really important that i just need to do because it's good for my mental health it's good it's something i own and it's something i want to do and teaching children for example that um it's good that she has a time in a day when she writes and it is her own project and it's not just for the family well as as bernadette said in the interview she said her children said to her we're so glad you're doing this because you never do anything for yourself and she said she felt like there was a new me in the house yeah now, that's transformative isn't it just just it that is. thing of of and i'm seeing it's i'm seeing the same thing with claire claire's now forty thousand words into her book and she's so excited she weirdly because i've been rewriting a script and then editing and doing all sorts of other stuff so Claire is the writer in the house at the moment. She's the one. <laughs> she's the one so pumping weird. out more words per day than me. I mean, she's Brilliant. she's she's you know published children's books and what have you, and she's just done a gardening a new gardening book as well. But this is her first full length novel, mm. and uh, she is. She she comes down and says, oh, because it's a murder mystery, she's like, oh, they've just found a body. You know, so she's <laughs> she, absolutely loving it. So yeah, it's um, it is it is it clearly made a huge light difference to to bernadette's life and career and yeah. uh yeah that, that could be well, you dear listener one of the things i've always said there's a there's a quote i wrote once that somehow ended up circulating around the internet it's hysterical it's showing up in journals and parent groups and stuff but the quote was um if you inspire just one child your life has been worthwhile and i think as a parent it's really important to when you're if you're writing as your aspirational goal or even as your career you're teaching your children about going for a dream in whatever they want to do, whether it's writing or otherwise. My little beautiful 11 year old has started submitting her word count to the BHP hey. 2020. She <laughs> asked her teacher on Friday last week if she could stay in at lunchtime instead of going out to recess because she wants to write a story. And she wrote a paragraph and she, she read it to me. And I loved it. And I said, how many words is that? She started counting them and it took her about five minutes. It was brilliant. And she said, I've written 220 words. I said, do you know what, Sophia? You could stick that on. And she said, how do I do that? And we got my phone out and she submitted her workout. And then the Monday she came back and said, Daddy, I wrote another 800 words today. Can I put it on the counter? And I was nice. like, <laughs> so again, it's, it, you know, if by doing something, it can inspire not just kids, it, you know, it can be, it can be fellow workmates, it can be friends, it can be family members. Um, it inspires people. So you've got to remember that you, you are doing this for yourself. You want to write your book, but everything that you do has a ripple effect to everyone around you. And I do believe that life is about trying to live our passion, but ultimately inspiring others to follow their passion again it might not have to be in writing it's great if it is but it inspires and it creates ripples and that's the bigger philanthropic thing you do when you follow your dream 
Let's um, if people are coming to this for the first time, they're thinking, "What the hell are these two talking about?" This two hundred <laughs> words a day. Let's, let's just re- recap for for newcomers. Uh, this is the BXP twenty twenty challenge because uh, we discovered we 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 polled our listeners. Eighty three percent of them cited not having time to write as their number one challenge, and you were one of those people, weren't you, Mister D? Yes. So you ran a little experiment, an accountability experiment, where you were writing just a target of 200 words per day and people you started doing 10 times the word count you started feeling an accountability by banking those words and it's it's about creating a daily habit so all it takes you can make 2020 your best ever writing year you can finish a book you you can create a lifetime writing habit and that's the important bit all it takes is 200 words a day so go to bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash bxp2020 and sign up right now now we, we started this in january we're now getting people who started writing in january who are now finishing their books in march okay we're recording this middle of march okay this is incredible so uh gm white who is at gm white writes on twitter he said today's word count 370 not including these two the end. The end of the first draft of The Swordsman's Intent, a prequel novella to his book The Swordsman's Lament. Second draft starts tomorrow. Uh, he said, he goes on, it's fair to say this wouldn't have happened, or at least not as rapidly, if it wasn't for the BXP 2020 challenge. Writing little and often has enabled me to get back into the saddle and find times and ways to write while juggling my responsibilities as a new dad so hats off chaps i think you'll find wow. yourselves in the acknowledge uh, acknowledgements again so jeff thank you so much for that and huge congratulations that's just incredible that's amazing incredible and inspiring for people who are thinking hang on i'm listening to this in march or you might even be listening to this in in october of yeah. this year for the first time the, the message here folks is just get started tomorrow or today even just go and sign up bxp2020.com right now and get started right now. If you're inspired by these stories, do it. Because even if you're starting, you know, two months to go at the end of the year, just like, just like our story there, you can get a novel finished because it's not about the 200 words a day. It's the secret behind this technique. It's the secret behind getting the daily writing habit. Once you get in that chair, once you get going, you know, like Mark's wife, Claire, 40,000 words knocked out in, in what, just over two months. And I want to announce very, very quickly, there's so much to cover. And this is going to be, this is probably our most inspiring episode ever. I think I can officially say now. <laughs> uh, today, uh, 10th, of, 10th of March, when we're recording this, 3,546,000 words submitted Whoa! since the beginning of the year. Isn't that incredible? <laughs> 3.5 million folks. So thank you to every single person who has submitted every single one of those words to date. And this we're only in the beginning of month three of this particular year. So it's only going to get bigger. And um, based on that, guys, we are looking at a I don't know, word count of a ridiculous amount. So get signed up if you if you want to make a target and you're not and you're too busy. You think you're too busy. That's always the trick, right? People think they're too busy so they never sign up. Um, you think too busy. Sign up and start on the first of whatever's coming up in the next month. Put it in your calendar. First day of my BXP twenty and get twenty twenty and get to the website each day and just submit that word count to us. We are your accountability partners and you will write a book. Mark Hood uh, on on Facebook said, "Loving this two hundred a day is all we need to aim for." Lark, I've just hit fifty percent of this year's target. This is on twenty eighth of February. 
So wow. he set a target for the year, and he hit that on the 28th of February. So he, he could said, write three books in a year. Yeah, basically. yeah. Brainstorming today might have cracked some great character issues. 200 a day is 73,200 a year. He's done 30, roughly 38,000 since January 1st. I mean, that's mind-blowing. Shell Vess, uh, who is at Curated Faith, uh, she wrote 207 words today on February 29th after a 57-day streak. Wow. 57. She says, I missed yesterday. Got oh, right back in it today. So, Shell, <laughs> you've got your new record. You've got your 57 <laughs> days. You've got to now beat that 57. Yeah, beat That's your, amazing. Beat, beat your Heinz 57 varieties. Uh, she says, sad, sad I broke my streak, but not devastated. So far this year, I've got over 14,000 words. I mean, that's just incredible. Yeah. Just incredible. Yeah. So uh, my, if you if you look for the hashtag on Twitter, hashtag BXP2020, you'll find these people out there every day, every single day, just yeah. absolutely smashing it. Sharing the love. Sharing the love. I've actually managed to do 30,000, Mark. Nice! In here. <laughs> That's that's usually your uh, your muddy middle though, isn't it? That's my yeah, it is. Well, no, it's, it's actually slightly beyond that, but um, more words than I've ever written in that period of time yeah. in my life. Yeah. And I've got to say, because and this is something else that's picked up. If you if you read a lot of the comments that are coming from people doing the BXP twenty twenty challenge, what you'll see is the common theme. And I knew this before we started it, but I <laughs> knew this. I, I'm le- I let I like people discovering it. Is that the magic in this is also that you keep connected to your story because you're doing it every day. Those little, they don't seem like many words, but it keeps the flow. If you write, you know, every Sunday, there's a whole week that goes by when there's Ben Aronovich says your characters get bored and bugger off. So I think it's really beautiful that that consistency of flow is 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 one of the magic elements of what we're doing here, folks. So I've got to say the, those 30,000 words are probably the strongest 30,000 uh, I think I've ever written. I don't know for certain, but it's, it certainly feels a lot better than than the previous attempts. So well, that's you're, you're not things. doing that thing where you're picking it up from six weeks ago and thinking, "Oh God, where was I? Who, where who's was that? I? Like trying to who's that? Read back because you do. You lose. You lose <laughs> yeah. the. If if people have started a lot of books but not finished, and I'm one of those, what I realise is you if you don't keep going with it, once you hit that kind of slightly, you know, you get past those first few chapters of excitement. When you hit the hit the hit, hit the bits where you start thinking, oh crap, what's what's what do I really what I'm trying to say here, and what's the plot yeah, here, it, and what's going? It, on? It's it's not just a case of losing momentum; it's losing that mental continuity. Yeah, you, it's that, not that it's not groove. pushing through. It's not pushing through. Yeah, two hundred words a day. It doesn't matter what you write; it can be rubbish. It really well, can. You, it can. But you'll be in a mindset. You'll be yeah. you'll be in a place, a mental space that is right for this book and this story. And once you get out of that, it's, it's very difficult to get back in again. Yeah. So yeah, I've never um, been more convinced that this is the way most people. And I'm not going to say everyone's unique, but I'm I really am convinced this is the way most people will find success in their writing world. And I look forward to the time where in future years, we hear stories of people say, who say, I gave up writing and then I discovered the BXP 2020 challenge, or I could never write a book until I discovered it. And then we were reading about these multi-million selling authors who are living the dream. Um, that, those stories are coming. I absolutely know it. And the, the great thing is that story could be you. That yeah. could be you listening to this right now. So get on with it. <laughs> Get writing, bxp2020.com. Right. Uh, if you want to get in touch, come and find us. We're all over social media. We're on Facebook. 
for what it's worth. You know, Facebook seems to hide more things than it presents, but, you know. Uh, we're on Twitter, at BestsellerXP, and Instagram, at BestsellerXP. Come and find us there. Say hi. Tell us. Follow that hashtag, the uh, hashtag BXP2020. Keep an eye out for us, because like we said, Back to Reality, our novel, which we wrote in 12 months and was a number one bestseller here, there, and, and all over the place. Uh, we are in the March Kindle sale in the UK. It's 99p. First time we've ever had anything like that. So uh, sales are all right. Uh, yeah. They're <laughs> so, up, aren't they? They're definitely yeah. up, Mark. But yeah. I tell, I'll tell you what, this week as well, the day this podcast comes out, 16th of March, uh, begins the Back to Reality audio blog tour. Yes, an audio blog tour. So I've you know, there have been book blog tours before, but never an audio blog tour, uh, and it's magnificent. So uh, every day from March 16th right through to the end of the month, uh, there's going to be new reviews for the audio book read by the magnificent Kim Breton, who does such a fantastic job with that. So, uh, yeah, keep an eye out for that. Hopefully big things for the book this month. Absolutely, and we'll be telling you a bit more about how all that goes as part of the bestseller experiment in future episodes. So if you're interested in audio blog tours and what they're about listen closely because we'll be telling you but also i want to just say personally i've got to say this i love the audiobook i know we wrote the book but we can we can bang on about how brilliant the audiobook is because it wasn't narrated by either of us kim does an amazing job it brings a whole different life to the story and if you are not able to read because you haven't got time get the audiobook it's on audible you can get it on amazon pretty much everywhere go get the audiobook it's a lot of fun and you know have it on your commute stick it in the car listen to it um, probably when the kids aren't around, I would suggest, Mark. Do yeah, there's, yeah. <laughs> don't have yeah. the kids in the back. It's, uh, not, it's not one for the school run. <laughs> not one for the school run. So, okay, absolutely. So, um, but yeah, let us know what you think about the audiobook as well. We'd love to hear your feedback because we are very, very excited about that as well. <laughs> Just Excellent. So, um, it's uh, been a brilliant, I, honestly, this has been, I, I honestly, this is the most official, the officially the most inspirational episode ever. And it's because of our listeners, it's because of what they've achieved, it's because of our amazing in Gaspé Paris and there's so much good stuff in the world right now folks if you're feeling a bit down with everything else that's going on and it is big heavy stuff um and I don't want to make light of it but you know what if you end up um finding yourself needing to stay indoors a bit what better excuse than to, than to start writing honestly um there's going to be a lot of great books coming out just like there were great babies that came out when the NHL was season was cancelled in Canada. Did you know that, Mark? Really? (laughs) Nine months after the the season was partly cancelled, there was a massive boom in births. No hockey, what are you going to do? (laughs) Good things can come from, from, what was it that Brian Cranston always says? There's always a good story out of every uh, disaster that happens. So um, stay well, everyone. Um, Keep writing, stay inspired, and please do get in contact. And please do come and support the podcast. If you found even the remotest of inspiration from this episode, come support us. It's uh, bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash support. Sign up to Patreon, uh, $10, $5, or $2 a month and you will get lots more of the good stuff. So thanks very much, Mark. It's been an absolute pleasure this week. Thank you for all the amazing episodes you've been doing so the last couple of weeks. And we'll be back for another episode very soon. Take care, everyone. It's goodbye from Mark 1. And goodbye from Mark 2. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.